0: This is your strange and beautiful life. Hi everybody and welcome to This is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. My name is Erica J. Schmidt and on my podcast I talk to people who may or may not have had the chance to transform their lives into spectacular TED Talks. For example, today I have the wonderfully refreshing comedian Mariam Khan. Oh, I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your name. Is that right? Mariam yeah. Khan?
1: Mariam Khan, yeah. Mariam
0: Khan. Okay, yeah. not Mariam.
1: You can say Mariam too.
0: M- Mariam. But- no,
1: Mar- I like Mariam.
0: But what is it?
1: Okay, so the real pronunciation that no one can say is oh, Mariam.
0: Mar- but- Mar- Mariam? Yeah, actually you can said it. Mariam? But like I've been...
1: For years, not correcting anyone. So I'm just like, yeah, Miriam, Mariam, Mariam. Isn't like,
0: that annoying?
1: Not really. I, You know what? There are certain pronunciations where it's like Miriam. That I'm no like, no, no. No, there's good. no
0: sign of a Y in your name. Or okay. an I. Exactly.
1: Okay. So as long as like it's like a Miriam sounding okay. name. Can
0: you do it exactly the way it's supposed to be again?
1: Uh, so it's Mariam Khan.
0: Mariam Khan. Yeah. Okay. Great. So we have Mariam Khan on This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. We're coming right back. We're just going to have a quick but really fun break. Okay, so talk soon. Love you. Bye. Okay, everybody. We came back. That was very fun. Uh, And like I promised, today our guest is Mar mariam khan
1: there we go there we go mariam (laughs) khan
0: mariam khan is a delightful and invaluable addition to the montreal comedy scene she is known for her smooth deadpan delivery sassy well-played opinions and ability to bring laughter to the daily grind of being a person her stand-up tells pointed truths about dating, sexism, race, and growing up with immigrant parents. Mariam Reg- <laughs> <laughs> Mariam. <laughs> I'm, over- <laughs> I'm overthinking this. Okay. Mariam regularly performs across the city and has appeared on Off JFL and Giggle Fest. That's right, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And she is the co-host of the show Better Than Your Therapist and the producer and host of the show I don't belong here, Mm -hmm. but she belongs right here on "This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life." Hi, Mariam. Uh How? Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. What a beautiful uh, introduction. Yeah. (laughs) I don't
1: really think of myself like that, but I'm like, yeah, it's kind of true. Kind of true.
0: Refreshing, delightful. I the comedy people are like people are hustling in comedy. I just feel like there's like. You guys work very hard, right? And you are always trying to get other opportunities for yourselves. But for other people, it's like a community building, at least like the comics I know that are on my podcast, for example, John Kotrakois and Abby Stonehouse, right? So Very impressive. So you are a comedian. I feel like you've been a comedian for what, eight years or something like this?
1: Yeah. So my first stand-up set was actually 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. But then I stopped for like a good four or five years. Okay. And I would say the last two years, I've kind of like really come back, like really wanting this, you know, really hitting the daily grind. So I'm I I would say I'm more dedicated in the past two years. Not that the last eight years didn't matter and the life Mm -hmm. I've lived didn't, you know, bring me to more material and Mm -hmm. all that. It's just that... I've shifted my mindset now, where I really want to make this a thing.
0: Okay, yeah. So, it, like, cranking it up a little, Cranked bit. cranking it
1: up, taking it more seriously, and just believing in myself more. Like, yeah, we could do this. We can have this delusional dream and make this happen.
0: Yeah, but like, how did how did it start? Like, because you're very charming and funny. Everyone's <laughs> like, you should be a stand-up comic. Like, because my therapist thinks I should be a stand-up comic. She, yeah. I just kill her. She every every I time. Love it. But I mean, my I
1: therapist keeps telling me to stop performing. Really? She's like, you're being a little performative. And she's hard. She will not laugh at my jokes. I'm like,
0: oh, come, come on. on. Exactly. Yeah, it makes you Indulge feel like, me. Like you're winning at therapy, right? I'm not. She is a tough, tough audience oh, member. No. Sometimes
1: she'll crack a smile, but she'll, she'll compose herself immediately. But oh, I, I d- think it's because she knows I need that. She, yeah. need, she knows that I need to be spoken to sternly and like really be serious about my life for a minute.
0: Mm, I don't know about that. Like <laughs> yeah. I, um, we'll have to discuss this further. So yeah. But yeah. How did you start comedy? Yeah. How did I start? Uh, that's a good question. I think that like, yeah, my
1: whole life I've always been, you know, really into like, telling stories in a funny way. Like I always wanted, like anytime I would be around with my group of girlfriends, I was always like the funny one. Mm-hmm. So I guess one day I uh, actually was working at a bank, which was
0: <laughs> not horrible. Funny. No,
1: it was not funny at all. It was very depressing. Try to make jokes there. Like no one was feeling me at all. <laughs> and uh, I kind of like was really depressed. And I went through this kind of, the first time I kind of was like, okay, I want to, look into what I really want to do. And I had quit the bank. I was kind of like exploring my options and I was just saying yes to things. I was just Mm -hmm. like volunteering. I was, you know, going around, you know, just trying new things. And one of them was stand up. Like I just, you know, I had an opportunity to like interview comedians at JFL. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really fun and I was really like, I didn't know what to say to these comedians. I was just like going up to them and being like, listen, I'm just a fan and I got free tickets to come to your show. So Uh. (laughs) just here to interview, but like, I really have nothing to say to you. Uh. (laughs) I had nothing. And the PR person at JFL at the time took me aside and was like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, like I was this bad and I just did not take it seriously. Like I was just literally there to get tickets. But then the more shows I went to... And the more I saw people doing it, I was like, oh, this is something you can actually do. And then that kind of inspired me right. to go up on stage and uh, try material. And um, that's kind of how it started.
0: Like at an open mic or something? I went to an
1: open mic. My first set was actually at the Comedy Nest. Oh, I had, no. I remember. It so intimidating I to me. I had five
0: minutes and I did three. Okay. Yeah. But that's and I was a like, gift. Whoa. That's a gift for humanity when you go shorter, I think. Right? Everybody <laughs> yeah, goes doing longer. Well. Was it not, you weren't doing well? No,
1: no. I actually did really well. Like okay. I did really well, but like I was nervous, you know? You left so them
0: wanting more.
1: I don't remember. My did memory, you go really
0: fast? Is that, maybe I you did like I, five minutes and three uh, minutes. Yeah. I could see myself doing that. I was just like, <laughs> I just,
1: no, but you know what? I think I just blocked out a bunch of material. Right. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. And oh. I just kind of left. And uh, yeah, it, like, then I went back and, uh, kind of went through it and like, not really. And then I just, yeah. And then, you know, it you, reality sets in like, okay, is there really a career in this? Like 10 years ago, the social media is not what it is now. Right. yeah So I remember just being like, okay, like what am I doing with this? Like where this going to go? I'm in Montreal. So I kind of like ended up giving up, I guess, but it wasn't like a Decision I made. I just kind of gradually just stopped booking shows mm-hmm. or stopped going as much, and real life started sitting in. I got another job, and yeah, I kind of just did that. But now, I don't know. During the pandemic, it was really rough, and I was like, "Let's do this."
0: Yeah, you need some sort of redemption for the the grind of life, like the the yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, misery, depression. What? Tell me.
1: <laughs> tell you. No, I don't think it was a depression. I think it was yeah, maybe, but um, I don't know. I just think that like. During the pandemic, it was very lonely. Yeah, like, you know, just alone in your apartment, and you you feel like a prisoner. I just felt yeah. very, like stuck. Yeah, that is the only emotion that can come to me, and I still feel that way. Like mm-hmm. if I'm alone in my condo for too long, mm-hmm. I start getting anxious. I'm like, I, I need to leave. I need mm-hmm. to leave immediately. So I started doing Zoom comedy shows. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had a friend, Rodney Ramsey, who's an amazing comedian. Mm -hmm. He reached out to me and he was just like, I'm doing these Zoom shows. I want you to host them every Monday. Yeah. I know. Sorry. I think it was Wednesday at the time. And I Uh was like, oh my God, this is the last thing I want to be doing. But he was like, no, no, no. He kept pushing me to do it. So I started doing it. I was horrible. Because people would turn their cameras off, they'd mute themselves, uh, like there's cats in the background, there's a baby.
0: I'm just here for the free tickets.
1: Dude, we would have people, comedians that would come through and like they're like in their cars doing stand It was horrible. The cats. (laughs) But eventually I started getting better again. Yeah. And then I eventually started figuring out like the room, you know, like figuring out how to make this group of people laugh and how to get them to turn their cameras on. And then that's the high I started chasing again. I was like, Oh shoot. Like all of the, all of the feelings and the love for stand up started coming back to me. And I I was actually feeling inspired to write more, feeling inspired to talk more. Um, and yeah, it all came back and now I'm like, you know what? Like, don't, don't like, you know, take this away from yourself. Like you love this, admit Mm -hmm. it and like, let's go for it.
0: Yeah. Even if you might, not get to go on like just for laughs or get a Netflix special right away. You're like, we're still going to, we're going to give it our best shot kind of thing. We're going
1: to give it our best shot and we're going to be depressed along the way because mm-hmm. we'll be depressed no matter what. That's what I've learned. Right. So, so, like, may
0: as well be depressed and do comedy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Some people would rather be depressed and have a lot of money. And that's also, there's something to be said about that too, you know? Would rather
0: be depressed and have a lot of money. Okay. And the money makes up for their depression and you yeah. would prefer to be depressed. You can go to
1: a spa. You can go like, and you And never
0: know. think about it, you know? Like. Well, you're think it's there, but you're just like, well. Well, uh-huh. I'm in Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. But they don't have to think about the, the money. Like think about, that's just like money is like no object. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like for sure if you have money in terms of like being able to patch up your problems, mm-hmm.
0: go for it. I think that money does patch up a few problems. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. And no money sort of causes like... Well, money… decisions in your… Well, money… No money
1: is stress. Yeah. Too much money is another level of stress. Like, it depends, right? Like, yes. it's a spectrum. So, I okay. feel like if you have too much money where people know it and they're coming and chasing you for you for money, that must be annoying. Or, like, you're just, you know, always that target, but… If you have enough money to be like, uh, yeah, so it's Saturday, let's go to New York City. You know, that sounds like
0: fun. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Like
1: therapist or, you know, let's go to a spa in California.
0: Yeah. Well, I wish that. Am I delusional? I think, I mean, I think that I wish that for you. I mean, (laughs) uh, it's like a, it's kind of a, what do you call it? Yeah. It's like a gray weekend in Montreal. We could go to California. I mean, we have to think about our carbon footprint, but. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, money, Netflix, this is all coming, (laughs) but okay. Well, I want to talk about therapy later, but you, in your comedy, you thoroughly discuss your immigrant parents. This seems to be a (laughs) bit of a motif for you. Um, and so for those of us without immigrant parents, like what, what are we missing out on? And are there a few highlights you could share with us?
1: Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, hmm, how do I put this? I feel like When you have immigrant parents, it's like you're bilingual in culture. You know, like how you could speak English and French. Mm -hmm. It's two different personalities. It's two different cultures. And it's the same thing. It's like... When you have immigrant parents, like you really understand where they're coming from, but then you also live in the country you're living in, right? Uh-huh. So it's two very different cultures and like different ways of life,
0: right? And
1: um, yeah, sometimes they clash, and mm. uh, sometimes you feel like you fit in one world more than the other. So like sometimes even in my like native country, like I'm Canadian, so mm-hmm. when I'm here, sometimes when you talk to someone who doesn't share that experience. You know, you might feel like there's something missing, Mm -hmm. but you don't fully belong in one area. And then when you're talking to your immigrant parents, they're like, "Oh my God, there's something that's really missing here too." So yeah, yeah, it's a it's a bit of yin and yang, but it's it's fun too. You know, it's chaotic. There's misunderstandings. You Uh know, like I used to go out. Like I have a friend, uh, she's like Pakistani as Uh well, and so her parents, like our parents, are good friends. Yeah, and when. She would get caught, like, going out clubbing at night, and her parents would start yelling. She would just use really, like, huge English words to throw them off.
0: And they wouldn't (laughs) understand. And they'd be like, don't
1: use that word with me, because they didn't
0: understand. I don't know what it was. Oh. It's
1: hilarious. (laughs) It is absolutely hilarious. So it's like, yeah, things like that, you know, but... Yeah. Or like, I feel like immigrant parents are more worried. Yeah. Just generally there's more stress. Like they really want you to be safe and be secure Mm -hmm. and not go through any hardships and Sometimes they misinterpret like you might be doing something that's totally fine, but for them, it's like so wild. and uh,
0: Right. But is there pressure at school and stuff like that? Like, do oh you need God. to like, where is it like you had to become a lawyer or a doctor to be a success?
1: Uh, yes. Okay. Success. It was like, even like if you want to get married, like no one wants to marry someone that's not, doesn't have a university degree. Like right. it was at that level. But I was a generally smart kid. So, like, they never worried about me. So, they were like, Yeah, yeah, she's on her way. So, I never felt that pressure until Uh I got to university. Okay. And I started struggling. And so, then they were just like kind of on me for that. But, I don't know. It's weird because like, it's really Mm well-intentioned, right? It's all about like, I want to push you to be the best for yourself. Like, I want you to have a, because they had to leave their countries. And it was, I imagine like now when I look back, I'm like, that must be so hard.
0: Yeah. And at
1: the time there was no internet. Like my parents came to Canada in the seventies, you know? Blind. Blind. I mean, my mother came here with her family. So she had her family here with her, but it was such a culture clash for her parents, you know, it was, like, even wilder, and then for my dad, he came on his own, and, you know, he had a pretty, like, he's a pretty happy-go-lucky guy, Yeah, but still, like, he still couldn't just, like, live frivolously, like, he had to, you know, make sure everything was intentional, like, he had to… Learn the
0: languages… Yeah, I mean, he spoke English. Okay, they moved here though to Quebec?
1: Yeah, so my dad moved to Quebec and yeah, he had to learn French and then he uh, like just had to work and just learn the lay of the land, Mm -hmm. which is very different. So, and it's, you know, I'd imagine it could be like a lonely thing too. It's not like they can just call their parents every day because Mm -hmm. again, this is the 70s phone calls or like, like long distance dollars an a minute an hour, yeah yeah it was ridiculous uh-huh
0: and was and forgive my ignorance but like what was happening in Pakistan when they left like was it for conflict or it was, no, no 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 conflict okay.
1: it was just uh better opportunities like okay yeah. that's the reason why immigrants yeah. immigrate like it's yeah. just literally for a better opportunity More so my chances to have, make
0: money and be secure and secure and like build your life you know and
1: you know if you think about it, to have that mindset, like a person that's going to do that, they're all going to kind of share the same mindset. Mm -hmm. So the immigrants, no matter if you're coming from China, if you're coming from Pakistan or wherever, Mm -hmm. or like, you know, it's like you kind of all are on the same boat that you made that Mm -hmm. move. So yeah, I think that they, and the way they look at it is like, I made such a move. I made such a difference in Mm -hmm. my life. So the next generation, they just want you to be better. Like Like
0: smooth sailing, smooth sailing
1: but also more successful because they're like well we had to do this so it's like we want you to be give you the opportunity Mm -hmm. and they they do they give us a very secure life and they're like supportive financially and all of that to do that but you know they do add a lot of stress
0: yeah and then like like how do they feel about your comedy career
1: oh my god they absolutely love it
0: really that's so oh oh (laughs) I was like, really? That's so sweet.
1: <laughs> no, I mean they don't discourage it. They're not like you're. I hate it. Like they just have. It's just like we don't talk about it. Okay. Which to me is perfect.
0: It's better, right? Eh? I love
1: that. Yeah. yeah.
0: They don't go to your shows. Oh god, no. Okay. Yeah. You wouldn't. Yeah. No, awkward. I mean, like,
1: listen. I'm not like completely against it, but yeah. it's not. It's just like we never had that relationship. So it would be weird all of a sudden to be like, oh my God, please support me and be in my shows and pat me on the back. Like it would just be weird. Well, because you talk about
0: them too, right? I mean, you're not mean, mean, but I mean like, well, there was one joke I'm thinking about because you had to go back to your, you had to go back and live with your parents during the pandemic or something like that. Is
1: that true? Okay, so it wasn't during the pandemic, Okay, but I did have to move back at my parents' house. Like this was maybe couple years ago Mm -hmm. for a short period. And yeah, it was like, my joke is, uh, so I live in this really tiny apartment Mm -hmm. and the worst part about it isn't the size. It's every time I open the door and I'm at my parents' house. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think it's anyone can relate. Like if that's not even an immigrant thing. That's like if you're uh, someone in your thirties and you've been living on your own for so long and then you move back, it's,
0: tough. A nightmare. Yeah. But it's
1: also, I know sometimes like in my comedy, I am cognizant of that. that like, okay, maybe sometimes I go a little too hard on my parents, but it's all in jokes and jest. I love them. And I know I'm a not an easy daughter. Like if they were to do a stand up on me and go ham, they would have a lot of material. Crush it. Oh, they'd okay. be like this girl who I don't even know why we raised her. Why did we even have this baby? Like, Oh, come on. They must
0: love you. They cherish you. No, but but this is our love.
1: Like, I love my parents. My parents, I know, love me. But, like, yeah, we get on each other's nerves. Like, it's the relationship that we have. And sometimes you know they go too far I go too far too and you know sometimes we'll get back together and be like I don't know why we're so rough with each other Mm,
0: yeah (laughs) so there is
1: that but it's yeah sometimes I do notice in the audience when I see and I'm like oh you have a really sweet relationship with your family well
0: I know some people and I mean it's just like when people like my mom is my best friend and I'm like huh like yeah I don't have that relationship with it's like they're it's okay you know it's civilized but like I feel very stressed to go home to visit my family like oh maybe I shouldn't say this but I yeah I feel a lot of pressure I feel like I'm a bit of a disappointment and like Mm. I feel I just feel not I feel very solid about my life when I'm here and then when I go home I feel like all bets are off it's like I feel like I could get like very I just feel like all my choices are called into question because I haven't met the like the standard milestones of somebody in her late 30s so it's like Yeah. I mean, yeah, people, they have lovey-dovey relationships, but you know, it's like there's stages too, right? That's it. I had a very lovey-dovey relationship with my family when I, like when I was three or four, it was like a love story. Right. And it's like things, yeah, I think maybe things shift a little bit, but, um, but then didn't your mom like call you fat? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but that's, like, normal. No, that's not normal. That's, that's, so, normal. that's, so, that's so normal. I don't think that's allowed. I was, like, I remember I hearing know, that joke, be. and I was, like, no starts for that friend, right? <laughs> yeah, you were, yeah. like, my friend called me fat. I was, like, no, no, mm-hmm. no. We don't talk to that friend anymore, but I guess you You're have like, to. You're, like, that
1: friend was my mom. Um, no, again, you know, that's in comedy. I just feel, like, I guess I don't think of it in a deep way. I was just, like, this is a funny joke. And yeah, of course, like that pain was real and it was something that like I really had to like put that boundary with my mom like, yo, stop it. Mm-hmm. um, It's not okay. But again, it's like I just I don't know. I don't want to come across and just like, you know, put my mother under the bus. But mm-hmm. I am and me too. I'm in my late 30s. So I'm more understanding of my mom and her mindset. And it's like, again, it's that pressure of like. I just want my daughter to be perfect and not live any bad life. And Mm -hmm. being fat in her mind is like, I don't want anyone to call her out. I don't Mm -hmm. want anyone to put her down. So it's like, she rather I hear it from her than like, but that's their mindset. And it's not normal. And she's realized it has had a very negative impact on me. And so, you know, she kind of gets it, but at the same time, it's like, the way she rationalizes it is like, well, people did, my mother did it to me, so why can't I do it mm. to you, you know? And it's like that trauma that keeps like keeps passing. Keeps going. Until- exactly. And I'm like, but mom, it's not okay. And yeah. she's like, oh, I don't understand. Like, I don't know, maybe you girls are sensitive, but in Pakistan, everyone says it and it's fine. I'm like, then why do you keep talking about it? Like, oh it's gosh. not a big deal, but... Yeah, and I think like also, you know, when I when I have these conversations, it's like that's why like I frame it as immigrant parents because it's like such a culture shock. But Mm -hmm. then when I talk to people, like even you just saying your story, it's like, yeah, it's relatable across the board. And I think it's just mother-daughter relationships. It's like, yeah, we obviously love each other, but I think there is something in a mom that looks at their daughter and sees like themselves and they Mm -hmm. just wanna like fix it. Like they just wanna make sure that you're I think in my case, it was like, I just want you to be perfect of what my version is. And it's like, it was a difficult journey of being like, no, I'm this person and it is different from you, but like, we can still love each other and like, be good. So
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mother, I remember, I don't know what we were talking about, breakups, something, whatever, and whatever I felt she had not said something supportive. And I was just like, mom, like, just let me have these feelings. Like, I think that yeah. for mothers, they're very upset. It's like, there's like a, well, I've heard about this. It's like, cause there's um, white fragility, right? Where yeah. it's like, that's like what you're saying has a major bias. You're a bit racist right now. And they're like, oh no, 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 no. I'm so nice. I just like, I'm doing, I, you know, I read the books. I'm, and it's like this, like, no, please tell me I'm not racist. But like, there's also parental fragility where they're like, but I loved. I did my best. Remember you went to, we had violin lessons, right? We had so much fun eating licorice. So I, I don't know what the argument was, but my mother starts weeping and she's just like, I just wanted my girl's lives to be perfect. And I was like, yeah, and there it is, you know, like that's, I think, I think
1: that really is what it is. And it's like, at the same time too, with my mom too, like she would be like, oh, but like I did this for you. I did that for you. And the older I've gotten too, I realized like, yeah, my mom is just a human being and like Mm -hmm. for sure. And I have to also let go of things. and. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it comes out, but that's why I'm able to talk about on stage, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't affect me. Like I can tell in the audience, and you know, for some girls, like they'll be like, "Oh my god," or like your mom, or and that also hurts me because I'm Mm -hmm. like, "Oh shoot," I don't want to paint my mom like that. Mm -hmm. But that was a truth that did happen, but I've healed. You know, it's not something that like I carry and. Also, you know, my mom was very young when she had me. She was 23.
0: Yeah, what a like baby. You know what I mean? It's like can you
1: imagine if you had a kid at 23, the mistakes I would have made? Like crazy. Like, did I do laundry back then? I know. My decision making, unreal. Unreal. Unreal.
0: I know so much incoherence happening there.
1: But like that's it. And I I appreciate at least now, like, I can sit down with my mom and she'll be like, you know what? I think I was too young when I had kids. Like I Mm -hmm. think I was very naive. And I, I don't think like you know, so I'm, I, I'm super appreciative that like we have that. And then there's still moments where it's like, oh my God, mom, you know, but <laughs> like, oh my God, like you went so deep and we had this moment and then you revert back to something like, okay, so don't eat any burgers. <laughs> like what, what? Oh, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, but it's a process. like Yeah.
0: But the tragedy, I mean, I feel like I talk about eating disorders on every podcast, but the tragedy of the like, middle-aged woman who needs to lose 15 pounds like who has been trying to lose like you know 15 to 30 pounds for her whole life like it's just like all that energy for those what you know and like like my some of my friends moms like cried in the change rooms in front of them because they couldn't fit into like a size 10 anymore and it's like I just feel so sad for that like
1: yeah no I had it rough like it was just like And I feel sad for myself too. Like when I look back at some of my pictures where I thought I was so big, it's like, Like, oh my God, you looked so good, you know? You know,
0: and and you're always going to look good, you know? Yeah, but that's
1: it. Like, that's why I don't like shit on myself. Like I don't, even now sometimes I'm like, oh, but I'm like, yo, do not do this because you're going to look back in five or 10 years from now and be like, what was I complaining about? Like,
0: you know, I was like, oh, like a week ago it was hotter than I am now. But I I don't know. (laughs) I think that like, I I heard that like at 40 women are like as peak, you know what I mean? Like, cause you become really yourself. Like sometimes I look back at my photos and I'm like, yeah, you're cute, but it's like, you're not you yet. (laughs) You know, like you have to like be you. But then I remember you did, um, a set about like just how our generation, it was so funny because my friends and I had just been talking about that, that day where it's like, our generation had our role models were Kate Moss and like, what was it like heroin chic, right? Like that was like, that was our model. Right. And I just like, that's a lot to come back from, I think. Right.
1: Yeah. But I mean, like, even like, if you look at Britney Spears and she had her memoir and if you just look at her, I feel we were all kind of that, Mm -hmm. like you had to be perfect. You had to be virginal. You had Mm -hmm. to have the perfect body and Mm -hmm. she did everything, but like, the poor girl was broken, you know? Mm, And she, and like the way she is, you know, now, obviously, anyways, I don't want to say anything negative about her because I just feel like she's the one woman where it's like she had no one to support Mm -hmm. her. But it's like you try and you try this ideal of perfection. And it's like, you're still who you are is always going to be who you are and it's going to come out. So you might as well, like, the earlier you can embrace that Mm -hmm. and be okay with that, I think that, like, that's, like, a healthier version. And honestly, like, even now, I'm also able to have empathy for my mom's generation Mm because imagine what they had to go through. Such
0: a small box, right? Such a small
1: box. And, like, the the area had did not have the options that we did. And Mm -hmm. I think... For my mom, like I had the most amazing childhood. Like I cannot honestly say anything bad about it. And sometimes I feel guilty because I'm like, it was great, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think when I transitioned into a woman, that's where me and my mom, it's like, that's where our relationship started Mm -hmm. clashing because it was just like, now I'm being my own woman. I'm having my own choices. Certain things that you think that culturally or stereotypically, like these are the paths to success there are so many other options mm-hmm. and I just don't think my parents were aware of that. Yeah. And it's just their naiveness, like, and I'm not trying to put them down, but they just didn't know that. So for them, it's like anything outside of their box is super scary. And they put all of that in me. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, I suppressed it. I would be rage out and it was just very chaotic. And I I don't think that was healthy at all. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I tend to show that in rage, you know? Okay. So I would get very to. angry, okay. very rebellious, really mean, mm-hmm. like mean spirited jokes, I would say back, you know? So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I, I look back and it's like, well, I guess that, that made me stronger, you know? Like,
0: and I got stronger too.
1: <laughs> no, but at the same time, it's like if you have a perfect life and like you're just super supportive, it's like, I don't know. Do you have a backbone? Can you be reflective? Like, like what is your story then? You yeah. Know? Like,
0: can they be our friends? <laughs> it's yeah. It's like, like, okay, well like, then you're weak.
1: Get can, away from me. Right. You
0: know? like, I don't think we can have sandwiches together. But yeah. I mean, I think most people, there's some, everybody has some sort of exactly. baggage that messed them up. Like Ex- That's a human experience. But I know what you mean when you see people at shows and you're just like, huh, like people who like have to go to brunch every Sunday with their in-laws or whatever. And like they yeah. have- a nice time, like a family dinner every weekend. I'm like
1: I know, yeah. That yeah, is yeah. a
0: bit excessive, but I mean, whatever. But that makes
1: me uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? Like you wanna hang out you want to hang out with them? Like what, what
0: about your nap times? Like yeah, like yeah. I don't know. So okay. Well yeah, that was riveting. Um, <laughs> I, I'm i glad you're doing comedy and maybe you can write a book someday about your immigrant parents. They're very popular books about immigrant parents. Oh, yeah, I read right? lots of great novels. They're on my wall here. Yeah, I just saw Crying in H Mart. I was just uh, watching oh, some yeah, interviews yeah. with her. She's great, yeah.
1: She's awesome.
0: Yeah, and... Um, Is the book good? It was very good. It was a little heavy. It's about like her mother We're dying. dying. Yeah. yeah. So it was a bit heavy. I really liked um I it's not it's novels, actually YA novels, Mary H. K. Choi. Okay. Uh, she wrote Yoke. It's the yellow one there. Everybody. I just um. I have pictures of books on my walls because I don't buy very many books because I have an allergy to possessions. But yeah, my big bookshelf is on the wall. But oh, I yeah, love that. Mary H K Choi is like she oh, has. It. I feel like Korean parents and yeah, really taught like they were yeah. hard, and so she fictionalizes a lot. But yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah, Asian
1: parents they know. I have another joke that, like, if you see a doctor that's Asian or Indian or brown, like, give them a hug. Like, they don't want to be there. Like, oh. <laughs> they don't want to be there. Like, I'm telling you, I went to school with these kids and, like, I was on that path too. And, like, they're not smarter than you. They right. were just, they didn't have a choice. They right. were pushed into it. But at the same time, like, the healthcare system should appreciate their parents for pushing them yeah, because of the healthcare. Who,
0: who would be, yeah, who chooses a labor to shortage? Go- yeah.
1: No, but if you think of med school, like if you really break it down, like I don't know anyone that would actively choose, unless like you're a psychopath. So if you, oh, you know, like
0: I don't know how people do that. I would have to be so heavily medicated, like to get through oh med God. school. Like they would just be like, okay, this year you're you going to be on be this to drug sleep for this
1: week. And you
0: know? no, I think that I would just be crying with my patients. Like I just, <laughs> you'd be like, I don't know how to help you. I'm, sorry. I'm so sorry. This sounds really terrible, and I had a bad day too. <laughs> Just be really bad. Oh. Oh, my God. Hi, everybody. Just a quick reminder to please follow This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platforms. You want to follow the pod because you don't want to miss an episode. For example, in approximately one to two Tuesdays, I am launching my second date podcast with Philippe. So, many of you have already inhaled my racy first date with Amir on episode 12. Uh, this was a blast, but my love life did not just stop there. Subscribe and be the first to hear how my second date with a sort of stranger named Philippe went down. And if you're enjoying the show, an enthusiastic five-star review is a cherished gift of our times. Thank you so much. And let's get back to the show. Okay. And so now I wanted to talk about dating. I love talking about dating. So I have a sense that comedians lie about their relationship status That's because so funny. don't you think that they lie about it so that they'll be more interesting, like single people? Like I'm mm, I, I don't know if they like lie about
1: their status unless like but I definitely think like they'll bring up stories. I You know, in comedy, like, you're always chasing a punchline. You're Mm chasing a laughter, like, at the end of the day. But I do... And I've done this, too, where it's, like, you may say scenarios that have happened, but you'll change up the element. Like, my joke about going back at home with my parents. So I said it's during the pandemic. Yeah, because that's
0: easier. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: just the the time, but it was, like, okay, it was actually five years ago. It was Mm -hmm. during, like, this one period. I'm not going to do that, you know? So it's too
0: boring, yeah. But then I'm
1: getting to the punchline. So I think with, like, relationships for sure people exaggerate stories or you hear a story from your friend and then you make it seem like it's your story mm-hmm. but yeah to straight up be like so i'm married and you're just single it's like what <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen that yet but okay. i wouldn't put it past some of the okay, comedians so to do okay so they're not that.
0: all right but are you single
1: i am Single.
0: Okay. So you like your fellow fellow single person. Yes. And but don't you kind of like I I, sometimes I kinda cherish that. Like sometimes when I feel like there's like possibilities happening, I'm like, oh no, not I'm not I'm not ready yet. You know? Like I don't I don't like that's sort of part of your identity, I guess. Yes. Like Oh
1: my god, I can relate f- to this. Freedom,
0: right? I and relate like, to this very much. Like, because then like what, I just don't want to go to the other side and be boring and be like, you know, it's just Well, that's it. It's like such
1: a weird and I've acknowledged this too. Like it maybe it's me because I definitely wanna be in love. I want the protection and the per like I want that, like mm-hmm. in a relationship, that intimacy. Like I really crave that. But then when I have someone there, I'm like, but wait, you're there all the time? Mm-hmm. Like I can't but Yeah, it's like but that's in my mind. I'm like, okay, why do why am I my putting it all or nothing? Like, yeah, yeah. why can't it be like in the middle? But yeah, like me too. I've been single for about two years now. Okay. And ah, like, I was so relieved to be out of my last relationship. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like I can be me again. I feel like I can breathe yeah. and like, But at the same time, like, I do think there are moments where I do get really lonely. Yeah. So that's also not good. So I just accepted that I think maybe I'm just never satisfied.
0: Okay, right. And you were saying like in your condo by yourself, you feel like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. When I'm alone in it for too long, I get really overwhelmed. But I don't need like. romantic partner to fill that void. Like I have friends and Mm -hmm. like just having conversations like this or just leaving my condo, going for a walk. Honestly, even just being in a city and there's just people around me, that's sad. That nourishes me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't need to be because like dudes can be very, like, I know that people think women are needy, but dudes can be a little bit needy. Right. And you're like, oh, I mean, I don't know. I know. So, how do you feel about online dating? Do you do it? Do you find it horrific? It's
1: absolutely atrocious. (laughs) I think it is literally the worst single thing that's happened to the humanity to humanity. (laughs) And it does because it's ruining relationships. Yeah. It's, and I fall into this trap too. It's too easy to just reject people. It's too easy to not invest and like really get the time to know someone because you're like, whatever, there's someone next. And, uh, it's very fleeting. It's, Honestly, like the way people behave, like, and sometimes I catch myself, like, I've ghosted people, which I said I would never do. Right. I notice I've done that. And then, like, I'll bring it up to a friend who's been in a relationship since before the dating, online yeah, dating. 2005.
0: Period, so then so they can so judge me and her. call
1: me a sociopath. I'm like, no, I'm not a sociopath. It's just like, this is what it is. Yeah. And it's like, write to
0: him and let him know that you
1: apologize. I'm like, no. I have a
0: template for ghosting. That's I have an anti ghosting template. It took me about. Twenty six hours. I consulted three to five people. That's I had to so say funny. no to somebody who I'd already ghosted, and I was like, "Okay, how do I do?" So yeah, I workshopped it, and so you can use it if you want. Um, well,
1: I did write back to this one guy I ghosted because he really took me out on a really nice date. Oh and no, we had a like. So this is where I think I'm a little bit of a sociopath because I'm a <laughs> comedian. No, hear me out. Because <laughs> because I'm a comedian, I know how to talk. I yeah. know how to like you know, elicit a reaction. Yeah. So on the date, it's going well. I'm killing it. We do kill first dates, right? I, I, people are shocked. People are shocked. <laughs> I, I'm killing it. The guy's laughing. I'm like,
0: oh my God,
1: this is, couldn't get any better.
0: He had such a good time. <laughs> He's having, And I'm
1: showing that I'm having a great time too. Oh no. And I am, but I know, I just could tell like, I like you as a person, but like, I just don't see you as a partner, you know, like you're
0: worth trying out my material on, but like, (laughs) oh my God. Yeah. So
1: I'm just like, okay, like, you know, I can, I like, I'm a social person. I can talk to people. So anyways, but like, I know I'm not going to spend time with you. So he ended up paying for the date, you know, and like we went out afterwards. And then, you know, at the end he was just like, so can we see each other again? And I said, yes.
0: Oh, of course. Oh, of Even course though you said yes. I meant no.
1: But like, um, <laughs> I'm I, not going to ruin the night, you know? Yeah. So then I never wrote back. And my friend was really like, how dare you do it? Like, what's wrong with you? She was really judging me hard. So I wrote to him afterwards. It had been like maybe now a month at this point.
0: Ooh, like he followed up and then you were just I, like, no. Or I just, just didn't just, respond. And then oh, I just, okay. This is a good
1: one. So a <laughs> month later, but I just wrote, I was just like, and I, I thought I wrote a good response and I knew he wasn't going to write back. But I was like, whatever. It's just for me to feel like I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, listen, I was thinking about you, of how I ghosted you. It really wasn't cool, especially since we had a really good time. Yeah. And I uh, guess I just didn't have the guts to tell you that like, although I really liked you and the date, uh, I just didn't see a future for us. Yeah. Um. So I just want to apologize and I wish you the best.
0: Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was
1: amazing. And of course he didn't respond, but that's fine. That's totally fine. But I
0: was like, my karma is back on track. But then... But that's online dating. (laughs) Yeah, but like then what was the reason? Like, so my 13th therapist, she loves it when I give people second chances. Like, she's just like, but like, I actually did a first date podcast on this podcast. Okay. First date with Amir. I think it's episode 12. Yeah. Wow. And it was amazing. It was... A a very good episode I did it It was a bit of a Performative situation As far as the dates went Like I was like Are there vibes here You're gonna have to Work your vibes here And he didn't I don't know I mean Like What can I say I I I have to take that out Um No, it's fine. I don't want to like I don't wanna put him under the bus. But like, you know, I wasn't sure if there were vibes. And it turned out like neither of us took any initiative afterwards and nothing really happened. So then I'm like, well, I need new first date podcast candidates, if you know any. And so I did this video. Unfortunately, I think the video makes me look like five years old or just I don't know. It, It it doesn't quite capture me, I don't think. But I said, like, oh, like Amir and I did not fall deeply and wildly in love on our first date, so I'm open. I'm still open for business. And my 13th therapist wrote on Facebook, she's like, but like, you know, it's not normal to fall deeply and wildly in love. And even if you're just a little bit curious, you should go on a next date. But I kind of find that, you know, when you're just like putting in time, like, I don't know. I I just feel like there needs to be a little more.
1: it's a little bit of us. Like we're definitely a bit of the problem. Uh, Yeah. I'm open to admit that but I, I agree. Like there is some sort of like refusal in me that's like not ready. And yeah, I guess at the same time too, yeah, I, it is your therapist. What do you mean your 13th therapist? I have
0: 13. You have thir- 13 therapists? No, no, no. I have one at a time, but now I'm on my 13th. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Okay. part then- of my life's great mythology. <laughs> I love that. Okay.
1: So no, I think that, um, no, I think there that there is a there is a truth to it. But like, if you're really not feeling it, then like, I don't know. I don't think you should push something unless you're really ready to commit mm-hmm. and go there. And obviously to me, like if I'm not and it, like everything in my body is being like, I don't want this, no, then you I listen to that. It. Yeah, right. And it's like- As long as you admit, like it's not, and you don't want to go out there and be like, all men are trash and like, oh, I don't like men. It's like, yeah, there's also some, there are some good guys and like- for me, it just doesn't, I don't know. There's something that's not there yet. Um, I want to be. And like there has been some dudes where actually there's one guy that like I met recently and I was like, oh my God, I totally see myself wanting this guy, but like he's not, you know, really Available? into me. Oh right. So yeah, of course. That's why I want him. So I'm like, I'm aware. I'm like, if he were to turn around and be like, I want you, I'd be like, Ew, get away from me.
0: Yeah, it's complicated. I like um how can I say that? I like sort of I really like becoming really close friends with people and not like and it just being like a fully emotional thing, but with like a bit of longing inside like a bit of longing, but like there's it's like a feeling yeah, like clear reasons like why it would never work on either side, but then it's just like very cozy like I like that and uh,
1: <laughs> I know we're sick. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, we're sick. No, 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 I think so, Miss. I'm on my thirteenth therapist. No, we're sick.
0: Oh, my name's not Emily. Wait, <laughs> it's Erica. It's Erica. Oh my god. <laughs> I thought you were quoting a movie or something. No. I, I don't like, know why I thought your name was Emily.
1: Oh my god, I'm so, so embarrassed.
0: No, it's okay. But like I was I said, like, maybe we're sick. She's gonna
1: like kick me out of this pocket. No, like, this so podcast fun. is done. I was like Emily.
0: I was like, Emily, is uh-huh. that like a famous line? No, no. okay. I don't know why. Okay, I don't good. Know why. Okay, okay, that's okay. fine. But yeah, we well, we have our we have our like specifics, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Listen,
1: Um, we have our little toxic traits and they're cute, you know?
0: Um, no,
1: but as long as you're aware is my motto, as Mm -hmm. long as you're aware, like this is not, this is not necessarily healthy and I'm unpacking it in therapy. It's cool. Um, it's so much fun, Mm
0: -hmm. but,
1: uh, I'm obviously saying that with a lot of sarcasm, but look at the same time, like I embrace it. Like, you know what? That's what real freedom is.
0: Yeah, it is. Like- you know,
1: like then that's another theme where I'm trying to write more jokes and think more deeply about like the difference between immigrant parents and like kids that are born and raised here mm-hmm. is that like freedom for them is like three different option doors. They had one option. Right. So for them, they're like, okay, your freedom is uh, you either become a lawyer, an accountant, engineer, or doctor, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, real freedom is like, if I want to be poor, I'm going to be poor. If I'm yeah. going to be like... Oh, single. I'm gonna be single. If I'm gonna be in a toxic relationship, I'm gonna be in a toxic relationship. Right. Like if I'm
0: gonna be addicted to this. I'm just gonna. I'm yeah. Gonna stay. Exactly. And like
1: that's that's one spectrum of freedom. That's like one. I mean, and that's scary, right? Because mm-hmm. if someone chooses really bad things for themselves, you know, I would imagine for a parent or for someone that loves you, it's like, why would you choose something like? That's bad for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's like a joke I'm trying to write about my mom and me. It's just like, I don't understand if you are free. why would you choose to have low self-esteem? Why would you choose mm-hmm. to be in relationships that don't work? Why would you, you know? And it's like there is some kind of truth in it. But at the same time, my response is like, well, you've never really experienced what I've experienced, so you don't know if you would make that same choice. yeah you know? mm-hmm. and is it a choice, really? Is it a like- choice, really? And at the same time, too, but like, there is something to be said on their side too. It's like they got married and they make it work, you know? And it's mm-hmm. not this like love affair. And it's not like necessarily that's what I'm looking for either. But it is fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Entertaining. Yeah. Life entertainment, right? We're sick. Erica, we're sick. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, like the gig is working for us sometimes, you know? It's just like like the toxic relationship gig works for some people. The serial monogamous la- gig Yeah works for some people it's like you're picking a gig that is like viable for you right now so for me it's like well mm, cozy friendships or I don't know like I'm I'm open like i right I did a call out on like I'm I'm available everybody so but sometimes (laughs) it's like like I I was chatting with somebody and I was like I felt like, okay, like, do you want to do the podcast? Like, like, will you be on the podcast? And I, I hate to say this, but I'm like more excited about that possibility that they will like say yes be exploited to. for the material. Then like, hilarious. if we're going to be on a date together, it's like, okay, I get it. You want to get to know me like a real thing. It's like, don't you think a podcast would be more fun? Cause like, what if we don't make it to the third date? Like, it's like, this might be our only chance to do a podcast. Like we might, but anyways, like. But are
1: you afraid that like, if someone gets to really know you, like without the podcast, that you feel like maybe I'm not good enough or maybe like you'll know too much of my skeletons and that's too close and too intimate, like get away.
0: Yeah, it's interesting like being very like, Prete- it seems like I'm very open about my all yeah. my stories everything and it's like well if you want to get to know me just my content just like go to my yeah. web go to my website <laughs> right like yeah, i come to my show I, yeah right don't you do that but like no. I I like told a therapist I'm like oh I have a blog you can just read my blog he's like no no that was my 11th therapist I fell in love with him Oof, that was so oh my dramatic God, that a, that's a show yeah well I, I did I did uh, love you <laughs> oh we match on bumble and anyways episode episode 12 before or after the therapy sessions like during (laughs) oh my
1: god
0: so like yeah um but like back to being like to being very open and accessible but it's like is that is that performative or like Oh, that is performative. Yeah, I guess it's performative, but it's not, like, it's it's very hard to be your, like, I think I do, I feel like when I'm in the conversations here that it's pretty authentic, but in terms of, like, putting yourself on social media and doing, like, little clips and stuff, it's gross. I feel gross about it, and... Yeah, I just... because we're older. Yeah, I feel like when I, like, I I don't know, I did that call out for the dating podcast and I was just like, oh, this doesn't really quite match my insides. And it makes me, like, based on some of the responses I got, I was like, oh, oh, I see. Like, this is, like, I, I seem like I'm open to anything and I'm not quite open to anything. And... Yeah, I find that's a bit embarrassing. Like how, yeah, how to portray yourself on the internet. Yeah, like I think like with like my long form writing and like the actual, the interviews and stuff, that's fairly, but like in terms of promoting yourself, like it's just like hard to be like really sincere that way, Mm. I find But yeah, in terms of, oh, you said like, do you think that if people knew the real me? I'm not sure. Like, I don't think, I think that like as a friend, I'm like, I can be very vulnerable. Like I'll cry with my friends. I will like present myself fairly fully. But then it's like, once you start having sex with somebody, I just, I'm not sure what I would be like. It's been a long Mm. time that I've been that intimate with somebody. And sometimes like, do you believe that there's a difference between your sex self and your like hundred percent. Right? Like, and sometimes with dudes, it's like, they're very different in bed than they are like, or in the context of an intimate relationship, they're very different than the way they present. Like, I definitely think
1: anyone that says that sex doesn't change a relationship mm-hmm. is lying. Like, even if it doesn't change a lot, there is something, you know, it's not like, it's not the exact same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think even if it's a casual relationship, like. I think it's uh, it's still different. There's a... There's
0: like a mask that comes down. And like, the I feel like... Exactly. I've had this conversation like recently. But I feel like best case scenario, there's not that much of a difference. You're like, I'm into this person. Then you get naked with them and they're just as funny. And it's just like... But sometimes like people's voices change and like, you know, they were so smooth. And then it's like the kiss, like this like really like hot dudes that everybody wants to fuck are so awkward in bed. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I make people awkward. Like no. I am very awkward. Um, which uh, I don't know if that's part of the problem, like, like, just like, how would the mechanics of this work? You're so awkward, but yeah, like slobbery kisses, just like not smooth. And you're just like, Oh, right. Like, and like, there's a bit of like a, like, I think there's a bit of a regression that happens when people, yeah, I
1: I feel like I'm very in tune with like what you say with your words and then body language. Mm -hmm. And it's like someone like that you can casually see if they're, you're more intimate versus like you're being more cold versus mm-hmm. like you could see how like the sex can change and then you're like you feel that you know you're just like okay well this doesn't feel good as much or this feels really intimate and like I don't know how to s- explain that but it's yeah it's like what you're saying it's like it doesn't match what's happening and it, then it's hard to just go back into a friendship and act like that's all good and it's like well that was a little weird right yeah no
0: it's all a bit terrifying right and it's like I know that if I, like, to present myself as a, like, cozy, tell-all, confident-type friend, I know that I can nail that. Like, yeah, exactly. I know that, like, I can be, like, you know what I mean? Birthday cards, like, just, yeah. like, dinner. Like, I will be so good at that, and I'm not sure that I can be a good partner. You know,
1: yeah, it's – no, I, I definitely think for me is just, like – I was going to explain it, Like, I feel like I have – when it's a casual relationship and it's like, whatever, you're having sex. And then you have those intimate moments. It's like, I don't feel like I put as much expectation versus Mm -hmm. if you were my boyfriend, then I feel like I'm going to have an expectation Mm -hmm. and like, I want to be treated like this. And that's something where I get in my head a lot. Right. And it's like, and I feel like my boyfriend will probably have that expectation in me. And if I can't deliver that, like it's just too much pressure and it's too much is stress
0: very stressful
1: it's it's very stressful because like with my friends like i don't know like uh, if they don't respond to me in an hour i'm like eh whatever mm-hmm. but if it's like someone that you're seeing you're like where the hell is he you're yeah, like what happened right. what's going on and yeah. it's like you replay that and then you have to stop yourself and be like can you relax like no, just chill. probably not yeah so like- you know, and it's like I oh, don't, man. I don't want to deal with this, and it's annoying to have to deal with that, and it's better not to, right? Mm-hmm. So, especially with me, I feel like you know now that I've come back into the arts, my schedule is all over the place, yeah. And the idea of fitting in a guy right now stresses me out, yeah. But I don't want to also deny myself love or that as well, because at the same time, it's like the right guy will be okay with it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it
0: can enhance, right? It can actually you can, make yeah. your life
1: better. So I think that's just been my thing is like, I haven't found the right guy and I haven't given it enough of a shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be honest, like, it is a lot me just being that girl who's like, yeah, I don't want to, like, you yeah. know? And I'm okay with that. Right. You know, it's not that like, uh, it's like, yeah, I I maybe I am that and I could have been more accommodating, but- I was really accommodating my last relationship and, like, I was miserable. So, Mm -hmm. you know what? I think I'm... Yeah. Yeah. But I I can't lie to myself. Like, yeah, I do miss the intimacy, having someone to call with, you know, just have a bit more of that intimate relationship where you can really let your hair down. That's fun. Mm -hmm. But... I think it's the expectations that ruin everything. Yeah. And it's hard not to have that. You well, know? I know
0: everyone says just like be open minded, have no expectations. And it's just like. Yeah, it's, that's a hard thing. Yeah. And it's like, no, everyone has one. Yeah. That's right. And people who say that are married, right? They've given up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're
1: losers.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> In case you don't have quite enough context on why Erica is still single, I wrote an essay all about it. Why I Am Still Single by Erica J. Schmidt discusses serious obstacles to love stories, such as not drinking, falling hard for your 11th therapist, and COVID adventures with a gay husband. You can read this and lots of other essays on my blog at erikajschmidt.com slash blog. Don't forget to share your favorite content with your favorite peeps. I so appreciate this. I so appreciate you. Okay. Thank you. Let's get back to the show. But um, yeah, a little bit about your shows. <clears throat> um, you produce a show called I Don't Belong Here. And yes. so this is bringing together comedians who feel they are on the outside of everything. Like, yes. So how did you dream this up and why do you think it's so important?
1: Yeah. So I actually came up with a show with the producer of They um, Go Low, We Go High. Yes. We Go Lop. Yes. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Malika. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Superstar, so. superstar, Yeah. I love her. She came to me. She was like, I saw you host a show. She thought I was good, Mm -hmm. which was really complimentary. And she was like, I'd like to produce a show with you. And, you know, we kind of were like going back and forth. And I'm like, honestly, like, it was really hard for me to come up with a concept. And every she was coming up with concepts that just didn't feel right. And then Mm -hmm. I, I just blurted. I'm like, you know, everything I do is like, I just feel like I don't belong. Oh, And I was like, you know, but I do belong because I'll I'll still be there. Yeah, But I always feel like a lone ranger. Like Mm -hmm. whether it's in my Pakistani community, it's like I definitely am Pakistani in my heart of heart. Like obviously I am. But like, I don't know, everything in the culture, there's a lot of rules. There's certain things I just don't vibe with. I'm in my late 30s. I'm not married. I Mm -hmm. don't have kids. Mm -hmm. That's really not how the culture works. You know, I didn't (laughs) follow the footsteps. And then... Like even in my professional life, I always felt like I was an outskirt in my dating life. I don't mm-hmm. like what we've been talking about, mm-hmm. even in comedy, just being a woman and then like being in these random bars. Like I just yeah. don't <laughs> feel like I am really, like, cause I feel like I have so many other sides to me mm-hmm. and every space I walk into, it's like I can only show one side mm-hmm. and maybe I'm telling myself that, but like, I don't feel like, I can be in a space where I'm like, I'm completely a thousand percent myself. Mm-hmm. There are a few spaces, but I think you know, talking to comedians too, and it's like living and understanding their world and their reality. It's like we're all kind of like that like mm-hmm. and even in the comedy scene, like you'll see in a lineup like r- different comedians that are completely different styles mm-hmm. that are in one space. And it's like, yeah, none of us really belong here, yeah. but like we do, you yeah. know? So that's kind of where it came up with. And I was like, I kind of like that concept and I'm still workshopping it. I feel like the show hasn't really found its identity yet. Yeah. We just did one show. Okay, So we're going to be doing our second show maybe in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, it resonates with me mm-hmm. a lot.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, and I think it resonates for everybody. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. I was like, hi guys, do you want to go to I Don't Belong Here? It's for people who feel like they're on the outside of everything. Nothing we could relate to. Everybody said yes. They I wanted to go. that. So yeah, I, I thought it was a great show. And then the other show, I don't know if it's still happening, but uh, yeah. Better Than Your Therapist. Yeah. So I think that's been put on pause. I okay. was doing
1: that with Michelle Forrester. Mm-hmm. So she was part of New Faces for JFL. She moved to Toronto. Oh, so, Michelle. Yeah. So she's been great. Um, And basically it's a panel of uh, comedians giving life advice. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's free. It's better than your therapist because yeah. we'll keep it really real with you. Yeah. um, And we'll like literally pull a name from uh, a bucket and uh, it'll be from someone in the audience. And then any one of them that they have, you know, and it's been, I have to give credit to the audience. Like they had a lot of balls to ask them like pretty deep questions. Right. Um, Obviously. Like, and they, the, go and
0: t- they go up on stage and- They okay. go up on stage, they
1: ask their question and then we will give our advice. And okay. some of the comedians actually give really solid advice. Some uh-huh. give ridiculous advice. And then uh, actually at our last show, we had a real life therapist. Oh, fun. Who like was like, okay, this is what's up. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no one liked her. There, everyone. I mean, we Shoot. love her, but I, she's actually a friend of mine. I do love her, but the thing is, in terms of like the comedy, everyone's like, "No, we want to hear the bad advice." Okay, you know? better
0: for bad advice. Okay, and you, you have a therapist now. Yes, I do. Okay. See it. <laughs> Every week, I have
1: a mental illness. Uh, no, I don't have a mental. Um, I do see her every week.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's commitment. You don't have a mental illness. No, you, I don't. I don't. Just like you're a bit depressed, no, I a bit down. I'm a bit down. I I so
1: my therapist says I experience sadness.
0: You have which low, feels
1: oh. so pathetic.
0: Low will to live. Yeah, yeah. She's every like every few Thursdays. She's never
1: said I have depression, but she's like you have. She's like you have, like, you have a lot of sadness, and I'm like, Aww. but that feels so lame.
0: Well, I mean, is right? Like, oh, it right? Oh, like, oh, is she like? Is it because now we say like person with, but then you can say person with depression, right? Like now we don't, you don't say disabled person, you say person with a disability. So maybe she's not yeah. into labels. She's more no. Into- I
1: mean, she's not. Uh, she's also doesn't have a PhD, so she can't like diagnose me or anything. Okay. But I feel that like sometimes I go in being like, so what do I have, you know? And it's right. like you're normal, and it's like yeah. oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> the normal is weird. <laughs> okay. Right,
0: but you belong here. Okay. Yeah. So, but are your parents like against therapy? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Okay. No, Cause some people like some, um, immigrant communities, like some cultures are like not into therapy so much, yeah. but I think,
1: uh, no, I told my mom, like, I mean, she got kind of emotional, like, Oh, you know, like <laughs> why, what did I do? It's uh, always about that, you know, like, Oh, oh I you're know. just going to talk about me. And it's like, I can understand that fear too, you know? So it's like, no, I think like it's been really good for me but she sees the difference so i think yeah. they're like great as long it hasn't as-
0: been that long then or no it's been a it's been a few
1: years okay but um yeah i think that like you know as you keep growing as a person you keep getting new experiences so like new challenges and mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah it's annoying sometimes you're like okay uh can we stop now? Like, I think I'm better. (laughs) Well, you could space it out a bit. You could do it. I do every two weeks now with my 13th therapist. And once we took a month off and it was like the best month of the year, I had such a good time, but it's, it's okay. Like I, I think therapy is pretty good. Like, I think it's, no, I think it's amazing. I honestly think
1: that therapy is just a tool to get to understand why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. Like that is like, if you have a good therapist, like that's, all they are showing you is mm-hmm. like, why are you doing what you're doing? It's not like, this is what you got to do. And so it's very revelatory and... Um, What's
0: rollatory mean?
1: Revelatory. Revelatory. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Is that a word? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Okay. Big word. Like, Good work. Know. Okay, do yeah, revelatory.
0: English? Yeah, yeah. And then also you can complain
1: to your therapist every week. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. I do feel like I, I need it and sometimes... Yeah, you'll see people who don't go through therapy and like the way they complain and stuff. And you're like, Yeah, mm-hmm. you're like unhealed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, oh. it's true though. Sometimes you're just like, Okay, like, am I your therapist right now? But yeah, okay, no, but not everybody can pay for it. Yeah, a, a little therapy is good. For yeah, it's everyone. expensive. It's that, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that, that is ridiculous. And especially like, I, I know everyone's like, That's such a first world problem. It's like, Well, yeah, that's the problems we're going to have. So, yeah, especially and- like, the stats and, like, what we went through, it's, like, I feel like it should be available as part of, like, yeah. the healthcare.
0: No, it's just standard. Like, I don't, I don't, it's, like, standard care. Like, I feel, yeah. you know, stand, like, brushing it's like your you teeth do, or something. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, like, you work out
1: in the gym to yeah. build your body. It's, like, you got to build your mind. Too, yeah, so. yeah,
0: and... Clean it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, great. But since you are better than a therapist, are you ready for our (laughs) listener question? Yeah. Did you read this already? I did
1: not read them. Oh, gosh. Okay. Let's do this. Okay.
0: So, dear Erica and Mariam, I'm 30 and I had a baby when I was 14. Whoa. I chose not to abort, but soon after she was born, I realized that I could not have I could not handle having a baby while being a freshman in high school. Oh. My older sister, 26 at the time, now 42, and her husband cannot have biological children. They adopted my baby when she was 3 months old and I gave up all my rights to her. It was a difficult decision, but it was right, but it was right for me and for her too. I no longer see her as my daughter but as my niece. She does not know that I, I gave birth to her. A few days ago I was having dinner with my mother and she suggested that I tell my niece that I'm her biological mother because she's 16 now and old enough to understand. I refused. I have a good relationship with my niece and I'm afraid that revealing the truth will ruin our relationship because she might think I abandoned her. I love her <laughs> your
1: face. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> I love her as my niece but do not have any maternal feelings for her anymore. She is my sister's daughter, and I don't want to ruin their family either. My mother has continued to insist that I tell her because she has a right to know. She's older than I was when she was born, and my mom thinks she'll understand. I disagree. I was a child then, and she's still a child too. She doesn't need to know yet. We might tell her someday, but now is not the right time. Love, strictly anti-material. Whoa. Right?
1: So what's her question?
0: Well, she doesn't know, like...
1: Oh, so should she tell her? Yeah,
0: like should she tell her? Okay,
1: first of all, I'm a comedian. Like I am the last person.
0: You're better than a therapist. I'm better than a... Okay, so, okay, fine.
1: I'll put my better than a therapist hat. But I do want to say I am not a professional.
0: Oh no, everybody knows we're not professionals. Yeah, we are not professionals. No, okay. Um,
1: that's very heavy. Mm-hmm. And I can, I, I just also like for her young self, like I feel for that yeah. deeply. Mm-hmm. I actually have a friend who was adopted from her niece as well. Really, and this is a true story.
0: Okay, so you are perfect for this question. So, so was she was it adopted. Revealed?
1: So her adopted parents um, is actually her biological aunt mm-hmm. and. What happened was her biological aunt, so her adoptive parents, who are her parents, they couldn't conceive either. Mm-hmm. So they had maybe
0: this is them. This is them.
1: This is no, it's not them. But it's like her brother. Her were, they were expecting a baby, and they gave that baby up for adoption to them. Like her they had this baby
0: that they didn't want. The brother. The brother
1: had a baby with his wife, and okay. that baby they gave that, like, which is my friend, they gave her up to her, his sister.
0: Why didn't they want the baby? They They had
1: this baby for the sister.
0: Wasn't that a surrogate though? It it was like, kind of, but it's not like- It wasn't planned ahead of time?
1: No, it was planned that they were going to have this baby, but this baby was going to be, but they weren't going to tell the baby.
0: Yeah, that's the thing because this sort of thing is happening a lot now with sperm donor, or I guess like egg donors is more, because it's a little, like sperm donors, I think is anonymous, but- But this is actually like
1: the other couple's actual baby. Yeah. So there was no sperm or like anything like that. They just had this baby. This was like in the 80s. They had this baby, which still is crazy and it's hard. And then this baby, like the adoptive parents, Uh like adopted the parents. But it's all, okay, so a couple things. First thing, it's really good that at the very least that this uh, baby, like this niece of hers, at least she will know she's part of the family. It's not Mm -hmm. like she's outside of the family. Mm -hmm. She had access to her quote-unquote aunt, who was her biological mm-hmm. mom. Yeah. So she wasn't ever abandoned. So that's mm-hmm. like one beautiful thing to reassure this girl. Mm-hmm. I also think that the uh, the aunt, who's mm-hmm. actually the biological mom, should talk to her sister about it. I don't think yeah. it should come from one side. I think both of them should decide at the same time when they want to do that and they should sit as a family. It shouldn't come from one family member. Yeah. I think it should be like a united front. And this daughter should know that like she comes from love. She knows her family at the very least. She knows her bloodline. She knows all of that. And Mm -hmm. like she was never abandoned. So I don't think it's a decision that like this woman has to take on her own. Like it's not, she wasn't the only one in this decision making. Mm -hmm. Like she has her sister. She has her sister's husband. Mm -hmm. And it's weird, a little weird that the mother is only talking to her about that. I would...
0: It seems like her mom is kind of in everybody's yeah. business, but sometimes what happens with families is one person is like, oh, this person should do this. So let's yeah. get this person on the side. Like, it's like, she's yeah, they the ringleader. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: they need to like, maybe have a meeting with them. Like, I think the two sisters should talk first. They should be them? aligned. Yeah. And they should be aligned what they want, but then I think they need to go together and talk to the mom to either put a boundary, like either back off or mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll do it, but it's going to be at this time and like allow that to happen.
0: But what happened with your friends in the eighties? Did okay, the so baby happened, ever know?
1: Okay, so this was really so they decided that they weren't going to tell her until she was like older, you know, until How she was like, old? like. I think they were going to wait until she was like eighteen, nineteen years okay. old. Okay, I don't know. That mm-hmm. was told, but then when she was like seven, oh. what happened was one of the family friends told her daughter, who was also seven at the time, I don't know why she would do that, and that seven-year-old told her that, like, hey, did you know you're adopted?
0: What? So then it it wasn't quite, like, it wasn't private. It wasn't private. Because because, they, they saw her being pregnant or whatever. Well, that's
1: it. Like, so this is a family friend of mine. So when she adopted, she told all her friends, like imagine you adopted a kid, like Mm -hmm. we would know, right? Right. So you would tell your girlfriends like, yeah, listen, I'm adopting this girl or whatever, (gasps) this child, but I need you not to say anything. Like it's on us. That is
0: very risky,
1: right? Yeah, but that's what happens. So one of the friends... I don't know why she would do this, told her daughter.
0: Seven-year-olds. <laughs> Seven-year-olds are so good at keeping secrets.
1: Yeah, and then it came out. So right. it was obviously a very dramatic thing. But anyways, I hope they're not listening. They're going like to all yell at me now. But the thing is, it's just, uh, yeah, so that it, it, was, it, it came out earlier than it was expected to, but I think it ended up being good because, again, the daughter, I will say, did not feel abandoned Mm -hmm. because she saw how good of a life that her adoptive parents to and like in her mind are her real parents gave her yeah and again you don't feel abandoned because it's not like you don't know your natural parent like Mm -hmm. you still have access you still have that relationship it's different
0: than a complete like rupture
1: yeah i think it's all in the way how you communicate it and also it depends on the maturity like is this girl who's 16 like is she mature enough to handle that Mm -hmm. like some kids mature a lot faster than others. And like, maybe she's not ready to handle that. I I don't know. Right. But definitely the sisters need to talk.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And like, I think that the egg donor that's becoming more and more common with the increasing infertility, I think they are saying more and more that this should be communicated early to Mm. kids. But it's like in what capacity can a small child really understand? It's exactly. a little bit abstract, but I think that from everything I've read a couple memoirs about people who were conceived from sperm donors and their parents didn't tell them and they didn't find out until they were adult. Like uh, the Carrie Washington, I wrote down. Oh, really? Yeah, Carrie Washington, she recently wrote a book called Thicker Than Water. Okay. And so what is happening, because it's because of the 23andMe, everybody's mm. getting their DNA tested. Right. And so at a certain, like, it was more taboo in the past. Infertility yeah. now is more mainstream. But like in the past, it was like a failure. So people would secretly get fertility treatments and maybe with some... I don't actually, I don't, I don't know. It's like, like, depends on people's backgrounds, like whether it's more, um, whether they're more or less comfortable with it, but it was like, yeah, I would say 40 years ago, it was a big deal. 100%. So then it was just a secret, but it was like, it was blindsiding for Carrie Washington. So I think that she always felt like there was something that was off. Like she yeah. felt like there was this big secret and that she didn't really, she didn't really belong. Right. Mm. And and she had a good relationship with her father; like it wasn't bad, but there was some kind. Like she could feel there was something. Right. There was some piece that didn't make sense. It didn't fit. And there was another memoir I read called um, "Inheritance" by Danny Shapiro, okay. somewhere on the wall. Okay. Um. And she that she found this out. I think it might have been after her parents' death, but it it was a similar similar thing, like Twenty Three and Me. And then she was just like oh what the fuck and she really f- had felt very isolated as a child. Yeah. She really didn't feel she felt like there was something she felt closer emotionally to her father but like she just felt like there was something not complete about her family and i think that both of, in both of these situations they would have liked to know earlier like they're, they It's so crazy
1: how like in tune kids are. Mm-hmm. Like that's another thing. It's like it's just wild like it's not just even kids. I feel like as humans, like that intuition, there is something to be said I'm about very attuned, listen. yeah, yeah, listening to that. But at the same time, too, I everyone's so different, like yeah. you know, like everyone has different experiences, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like yeah, I mean, th- this is like a definitely different level. Like some kids, I'm sure, are probably totally fine with it. Mm-hmm. Some kids, not at all. I don't know. It's a it's a very. It's like I don't think there's a right or wrong answer.
0: I think given the context, given how young the mother, the biological mother was, like 14. Yeah, 14, that's crazy. That's nothing. Yeah. Like, I think given that- How and can given, you
1: expect like a 14-year-old to raise you, you know? Yeah.
0: But like, I, I understand and given where we were, for, uh, I guess, 14 years ago, like yeah. I could see not telling her, but I think that- I think more and more the status quo will be to be as open as possible with kids. So I think that like, I think, yes, you should tell her eventually. And, yeah, absolutely. And I would even say as soon as possible, but not, be you know, it's been this long, like be yeah, strategic I mean, about your timing and like.
1: But honestly, the only thing that's going to make a kid feel insecure is if like you're insecure yeah, about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, honestly, kids are very in
1: tune with that. And like, if you present it to your, to her, like and you're a united front and it's like you came from love and like we you know wanted you to have the best life and it made sense but mm-hmm. like we didn't want to tell you because we didn't want you to feel this way like
0: yeah, yeah. and they they, yeah get some professional help like it's pretty complex but exactly yeah, but it's yeah, not like if you're like oh I, we feel so we're so sorry we didn't tell you we yeah told i wouldn't you, be, be like,
1: apologetic about yeah, it or just like, like all like or oh, are you okay like this is such a traumatic thing that happened like don't make it feel come across mm-hmm. like that i feel like be like uh, okay this is a crazy story buckle up you yeah, know yeah. but really drive home that like you're this person is very loved and like mm-hmm. look how much you know you you're in a family of love mm-hmm. and you still you do belong here, yeah and you we know? will
0: all always love you yeah yeah so yeah like pick yeah pick a strategic time if the the daughter is like Um I mean you could wait till she's 18. I mean at this point it's Yeah, I agree.
1: It's like what's the point? But like whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, like it's a bit I I don't know. For me, I would say like do it soon. But if you know, if you wait another year or two, no big deal. Like do it at your discretion. But I feel like I understand why she hasn't done it yet. And yeah, I think the mother is that's that's yeah, it's weird that the mom is like
1: mom's being a mom. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's
0: (laughs) it. Yeah, okay. So Strictly anti-material. Well, you won't always feel that way necessarily, but... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else? Did we do it? I think we did it. Okay. That That was pretty good. Okay. If you love Mariam Khan, you will also love the powerhouse of a comedian, Abby Stonehouse. Abby was on episode 11 of This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life, and Abby has two wildly active podcasts of her own. In her House of Stone podcast, everyone has a story and Abby gets into the nitty-gritty of it all. Join Abby as she talks to hilarious guests about the quirks, conundrums, and triumphs of everyday life. It's a great way to get a VIP seat to the Montreal comedy scene. And for an even more intimate experience, Abby just launched the Horrific Evening podcast. Here she collides with her bestie, Fernando P., to educate Abby about the true horrors of life. Listen in as two best friends discuss horrific headlines, facts, and surprisingly repressed memories. All of Abby's episodes are a big treat, so I strongly recommend that you check out House of Stone podcast and Horrific Evening podcast Wherever you listen. Okay, so now we're going to do routines, Mm. okay? I love routines. So, Mariam, do you have a morning routine?
1: Oh, my God. Um...
0: It's hard for comedians, right? Because you stay up late. I stay up very late. Well, I mean, my morning is still...
1: Even if it's 10... I normally wake up around like nine thirty, ten. 10. Okay, pretty good. It's not too bad. And then, yeah, I mean, I typically... I mean, I, I get up, I take a shower, mm-hmm. right? I do that. I have a coffee... One coffee? One coffee. Okay. I need to have my coffee. I was meditating for a while. That was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. Just like set a timer? I don't even have a timer. I would just like literally just meditate for 20 minutes. I would like have a clock. So I would like sometimes just open my eyes and peek in. Right. That was amazing. I want to get back into that. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I I wake up. I, you know, uh, go to the washroom. I do all my cleaning, whatever. I, you know, I I need to take a shower first before I can eat. Okay. That's very important for me. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm not someone who can like eat and then take a shower. Like, that's insane.
0: So like the day you need to be groomed. I need to be groomed. Okay. I'm
1: very much about that. I do my bed. I need to feel like that's very important for me.
0: I haven't really, I don't know how many people have mentioned their showers on their morning routines. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. The best hygiene so far. Thank you. Okay. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I take a shower. Like that's very important. And I feel like showers are very important for me. Okay. Like even if I'm stressed, like if I take a shower, I take a bath, like I'm, Good. You're do you re-
0: ever do the cold shower? No. Okay, it's terrible. I'm not a psychopath. It's terrible. I it's, hate cold showers. Yeah. Um. Okay. And how long does it take to have a shower? It's like... Oh, uh,
1: like 10. If I do my hair, like if I wash my hair, like 15 minutes, if yeah. not, like five.
0: Okay, cool. <sighs> okay. That damn hair. Yeah, I know we both have long hair than usual <laughs> hair. I think it's worth it. Yes. Um, okay. And then do you have a creative routine?
1: A uh, creative routine? Yeah, I walk. That's okay. like, I walk, I talk to myself. Okay. I talk to myself a lot. And uh, then, like, yeah, jokes will come.
0: Okay. And, and you just had like your phone with you and you'd. I'll like it write up. it out. I okay. have a little
1: notebook and I'll write okay. little things. But it's really important that I need to book shows because, like, I won't sit and write and really reflect on it unless I have a show booked. Yeah, and a deadline. Yeah, so I need to do open mics more, and uh, that's really important. Like, the Mm. last week and a half, I haven't really been doing as much shows. Mm -hmm. just been conserving my energy, but then, like, next week I want to get back at it, Mm -hmm. and I know, like, ideas will flow.
0: Okay, and, like, if you are doing shows, like, what is the frequency? It's a bit erratic, or, like? (sighs) Yeah, I try to hit
1: up, like, at least five shows a week oh my gosh you and abby (laughs) oh my god but i feel like five is nothing
0: okay sometimes you do more than one in a night
1: oh yeah i'll do three at a night oh my god i love it it becomes addictive it becomes like a high and like when i'm at home that's why when you're at home alone you're not doing anything you're like something's missing like this feels weird
0: okay like it it almost feels like you're bad okay you know so like you're like dating comedy and you're not giving it enough attention You
1: know what? I think comedy is my boyfriend. Okay, I
0: think that's very and it's really not
1: giving me a lot.
0: No, I'm kidding, but But it's good. Like you feel like you have sex after comedy. Do you find?
1: Mm, No. no? No.
0: Okay. No. So uh, actually, if it's like a really, it's
1: a weekend show, and I do really well, it's amazing. But eh, it's not sex. Okay. (laughs) Because
0: like like, honestly, like sometimes this is like don't take this the wrong way, but after like I record a podcast, afterwards I'm like, oh, I feel like on a high. I, yeah, but I feel like I've, like, you know, when your body, I just feel like I got some. Okay. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, you feel good. No, I
1: definitely feel that with a good conversation, a yeah. good laugh. That gives me all that. But, I mean, it doesn't replace <clears throat> sex. There is a high to it, but it doesn't replace sex.
0: Yeah, that we have to cling to it because it's what we got right now, exactly. right? Okay. Because, I mean, like, I think, like, some people could just content themselves with sex but never make anything, right? Mm. like.
1: And that's okay. No, that doesn't work for me.
0: It might work for them. Okay. Yeah. So walking around, oh my God, five, six shows. Okay. More than one show in a night. No, but not uh, five, six shows a night. No, no, like no. Five, no. six shows, shows a, like week. In a week. Okay. And that's not a lot. That's amazing. Okay. So create- In New York,
1: they do like three shows a night. Like that's but the bare like, minimum. That's like, like 15 shows then a week. You,
0: like how do you sleep after you have a show? Like it just means, seems like it's so derailing. You go to back,
1: yeah. You go to sleep at like two o'clock in the morning and mm-hmm. then, yeah. And I mean, if you go to bed at 2 and you wake up at 10, that's 8 hours.
0: I can't sleep in like that, but that's impressive. Okay, and then what about, are you, like, because a lot of people are really into drugs and alcohol mm. on the comedy scene. Are you? No. Okay. No. Yeah. No, no. Okay.
1: I'm, like, super. Actually, I decided, like, as of last week, no drinking till mm-hmm. like, December 31st. Okay. Like, I definitely feel better when I'm not drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, like. I also think that, like, if you need to drink to perform, then maybe you're not a performer. Yeah. Like, you should be able to do it. And, like, you really are better, you know? Because, like, if you use it as a crutch, that's really dangerous. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's a good, you know, form. But, like, again, it's like the dating situation. When I'm, I'm very aware of everything I do, like, if I start drinking or if I start, like, you know, I'm not opposed drugs or anything, but like I've dabbled, mm-hmm. but it's like when I do it, I'm very aware like why I'm doing it, how I'm doing it. Is this for fun mm-hmm. or is this like, I'm a little nervous right now. And like, I don't like if I'm doing it other than just for pleasure. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. If mm-hmm. it's not for pleasure, if it's not just like for a, like a fun social thing.
0: Sketchy. We gotta, it's yeah, sketchy it's because It's scary. Yeah. It's scary.
1: You got to be aware. And yeah, unfortunately there is a lot of that, not just in comedy, but just like in arts in general. hmm And, uh, it's, uh, it's sad.
0: Yeah. It's so accepted. And there's so many like drunk jokes, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, not
1: funny. Yeah. It's like, get help.
0: Mm. (laughs) No, I agree. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of alcohol. So great. Um, that's your creative routine. What about a cleaning routine? You have a condo?
1: I do have a condo. So this is the thing with me. I'm all or nothing with my cleaning. Like I'm someone that will get on all fours and scrub like the railings. Like I am intense about that, but then I'll let it go for like four weeks. Okay. You know, but like once I get into it, I really get into it. Four
0: weeks is not so bad. Yeah. If you're
1: alone, I feel like it's okay. Yeah.
0: But I I can't go four weeks. I can't go more than a week to be honest. It's really hard for me, but I like have, I actually have a knee injury from like. (laughs) Cleaning. Well, it's called housemaid's knee. It's from like a- job, But like- I had that too then. You had like a swollen knee from you? Yeah, yeah, because
1: you're on all fours and I'm scrubbing
0: the floor. Didn't you have a knee injury that way?
1: Okay, I don't have a knee injury, but I've had bruises.
0: Okay, no, this, like, the, the bursa, like, the little packets f- of fluid swell up. Like, the first time I had it, I was, like, cleaning, like, tw- like 20 to 30 hours a week. Like, I was, that was my career. Oh, okay. Uh, like, in, like, five five years ago. where I wouldn't say career, but it's one of the things I did. And then, yeah, my knee swelled up. But then it happened again this summer. And it's, like... I mean, I think it's from other things too, but yeah, like I'm a, like, my friend's like, well, why don't you clean every four weeks? I'm like, oh no, that's not enough cleaning. No, no, four
1: weeks. Okay. I, I admit too, sometimes like it's a bit extended, but every two weeks I think it's, is reasonable. Is acceptable.
0: Yeah. yeah. I just find it a small. But I vacuum
1: like every day.
0: Well, then Mariam, that's more than every four weeks. Uh, no, but like vacuuming, I feel like you need to,
1: cause your floors get dusty. Cause yeah, I
0: but- have a, I have a. I have Robo? a Dyson. Okay. Oh, the Dude, zippy. the Dyson
1: is game changer. So that I'll do every day. But then like a dust, yeah, like once every three weeks, which I know I feel like I'm failing myself. And I, my mother was so intense about cleaning. Mm. It was such a contention in her house. She would literally yell at me like all the time if I wasn't yeah, that cleaning day and night. So I got, like when I lived on my own, I was like, really? Like I would- feel guilty. The amount Mm. of guilt I would feel if, if I wasn't scrubbing the floor every week. And then I had to let that go. So now I'm like, okay, like letting it go. I'm like, I'm my own person. It it was all of that. Like when I moved out, it was like, you know, getting that voice out of my head. How old were
0: you when you moved out?
1: Oh my God. I was in my late twenties. Okay, It's really sad, but yeah it was the
0: culture is like that the culture yeah. is like that
1: she was and was she dramatic about it absolutely <laughs> was she crying for two weeks absolutely but wow yeah she's like but you're not married i was like oh my god Mom. you're not it's, married
0: <laughs> it was like this is not how
1: we do things i was like oh my god so wow, okay. I had to be like, I don't feel bad anymore. Like, this is a you problem. Like, yeah, yeah. This, if you're going to cry, like, I'm not dead. I'm here, you know? Not
0: dead. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of, like, strict parents, oh but, God, like, yeah. with cleaning. And then the parent the kids are like, no, thanks. I'm not going to clean anymore. Yeah, it's but, like, like
1: no, I, I definitely agree. Like, when I go into, a like, a really dirty house, like, I'm sure we've all experienced friends that are yeah. like how do you live like this? Like, and that's you.
0: They, do. they live know. like this. So
1: that is gross. I yeah agree. Like I my I swear to God, if I ever make it, to me, I the day I know I make it is when I'm able to afford someone to clean A cleaner, my place. Yeah. That to me, because it was such like it was like, you're not a good person if you don't clean every week. Like, no. And my mother was very much like, I don't believe in cleaners. Like, this is your house. You should know how to handle this. And mm. it was like very, like, oh my, it, it's, it, it's very triggering for yeah, me. Cleaning is like, when you, even yeah. when you said that, I was like, <gasps> like, oh. it's a very triggering aspect in my life. So for me, it's like, It's just better if I'm able to get someone to clean it. And like, to me, that'll be like, I've moved on, you know?
0: Oh, I would like that for you. That'd be nice. Yeah. I have different like feelings. I feel like I, I don't ever want to have a house that's too big for me to clean. Yes. So I actually can't have a bigger house than this because the way I clean, it's like, I take this stuff off the shelves and dust under it every week. I know that level of cleaning. And it's like.
1: Still takes you three hours, right?
0: Yeah. It takes me three hours. I know exactly how much time it's going to take. Yeah, and my my thirteen therapist thinks that that's excessive for a one bedroom apartment, and I'm no, just like, I get it. Karen, maybe you should, should be cleaning clean more, room. right? Yeah, maybe maybe you need to I dust under that. your shelves and uh, the books under your shelves and under the couch, right? Like, yeah, there's like, no, it's important. Know, it's important, and like I don't know, like I feel like I was cleaning yesterday and I was grumpy about it because I felt like it was just too much work, but then I'm I'm pleased now, you know? I'm just like, but it's like should... a
1: workout. Like once you're done, you never regret it. You feel yeah. like. But don't you feel you're more productive? And it's like in a weird way, it's like I feel like I'm allowed to like go about my day without any guilt,
0: yeah, no, it's feel but it it is it's like something I usually do it earlier in the week, and it's just like something sort of hangs over. You. It feels like you can actually relax when things yes. are. Clean, which is a bit sketchy. Like, we should always be allowed to relax, but it is. I know. This is, well, like I said, I'm very triggered. Like, yeah, this is. We're a- sick. Emily, we're sick. <laughs>
1: Emily, Emily, <laughs> we're sick. This is what the podcast should be called. Emily, we're sick. <laughs> <Yeah>. Who's Emily?
0: <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Emily, we're sick with Mariam. Yeah. Um But. I, yeah. And I feel like there's some sort of energetic thing that happens I agree. too. I, yeah. Yeah. No, okay. no. no. We're, you're we're speaking cl- to the choir. Cleaning I know, kindreds.
1: I know exactly what you're talking about. Right.
0: Like just like some gets gets stagnant. And like, yeah. yeah, I mean, even though like I've never made a lot of money, my finances are very good because yeah. I'm, maybe this is the ticket is to always keep things clean and organized, yeah. but I don't know. Okay. But I want you to get a cleaning lady. I, I'm in no position to get one. Just want to let you know. Twenty twenty-five. It's just a dream. Twenty twenty-five. Yeah, it's April, just a dream. July. Like, August, yeah, I have my
1: own cleaning woman.
0: September. Or man. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Okay. Yeah. So or child. Oh, <laughs> even better.
1: Train yeah, them young. I know. Maybe I'll I get a discount.
0: I'm gonna have. A, if I had a baby, I'd be like, okay. So my friend told me to do this, and I think it's brilliant. So we're like, okay. So it's Thursday. We're gonna clean now, and then you just like. Put sponges on their hands and wrap them, them in an yeah. elastic, and then they're just gonna like. I love that. This crawl, crawl around everywhere around Roll with around. their microfiber. I right. love that. Um, we'll probably be Instagram stars too. I mean, I think maybe this yes, is the though. ticket. This is the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well that's lovely. Oh, I think the the last question is: if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be?
1: Oh my God! It's, for the love of God, have some humanity for each other. Just yeah. love each other. Honestly,
0: mm-hmm. I just think with everything going
1: on, it's gets so tribal. It's like, if you can, honestly, if you can, if people had love in their hearts and just like be outside of themselves for a minute, like that's the only thing I think with everything going on. And I think it would have a rippling effect, right? Then you'd want the best for each other. You'd want like good education for everyone. You want everyone to <laughs> live a beautiful life and uh, a full life. So that's the only thing.
0: Yeah, okay. That's really good. That was efficient also. Love for humanity. All right. Um, next is going to be a song. <laughs> oh, my. You and your songs. Are- <laughs> yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and then uh, Mariam and I will be right back with a song. Okay. All right. Great. Love you. See you on the other side. Love you. Bye. So hi, everybody. We are back and we, I always let my guests pick the song. Uh, and so we're doing a repeat. Uh, So the song that Mariam picked was? Wrecking Ball from Miley Cyrus. Yeah. So Miley Cyrus is very generously sponsoring the podcast (laughs) again. So thank you very much, Miley. Uh, and yeah, how, how would you feel about singing, Mariam? Did you, were you in the school plays or anything like that?
1: Um, I have a beautiful voice. Really beautiful. Yeah. So stunning. Uh, that's why I do stand up comedy and <laughs> not singing. Um, so yeah, this was like the part I was looking most forward to.
0: Yeah. Singing. Okay. You're a very good sport. Okay. I changed the keys so oh, it fantastic. wouldn't be quite as much of a long shot. Um, Okay, everybody remember what's really important about the Half Bad ukulele segment is that you sing along. Okay, there's intro and then we go. Oh, that sounds
1: terrible. Oh, no, you got this. Okay.
0: <laughs> we clawed, we chained our hearts in vain. We, we jumped Never asking why We kissed, I fell Under your spell A love no one could deny Don't you
1: ever say I just walked away I will always want you
0: I can't live a lie Running for my life I will always want you I came came in like a wrecking wrecking ball, I never never hit so hard in love, all I wanted was to break your walls, all you ever did was wreck me, yeah you, you wreck wreck me. Okay. That was delicious. We're going to quit while well, we're ahead. Yeah. Uh, we're too good. <laughs> too good. Thank you so much, Mariam. That's what's going to get you enough money to <laughs> yeah, get pay a, for a cleaner. <laughs> can't just, wait. It's, uh, it's yeah, happening. It's just, ha- like, manifesting. Miley is going to call us oh really God. soon. <laughs> then I have
1: some other demands as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thank you so much, Mariam. This is really the most fun time. and. Where can people find you on the interwebs?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. My handle is just Miriam Khan. Mm-hmm. So Miriam is M A R I A M last name Khan, K-H-A-N. Um, and uh, you can either find me on Facebook too because I'm an old fart. So Okay,
0: yeah, me too. Yeah, okay.
1: you can find me there. So those are my two major handles that yeah. I use. And
0: look out for her show, I Don't Belong Here, comes out a few times a year. Yes. She performs in Montreal five times a week. <laughs> okay, well, I can't wait to see you on stage again. Thank you so much for coming. And everybody... Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. Love you. Bye. This was fun. Bye. Real fun. Okay. Wow. I think we broke some records there with Wrecking Ball, Uh, possibly also some windows. So thank you, Mariam, for your singing and also for your generous and hilarious insight I think you solved most of my problems, so very grateful, Uh, and it was so great to get your perspective on growing up with immigrant parents. So everyone, stay tuned for Mariam. Her Netflix special is just around the corner, I'm sure. Uh, She will be on the hunt for a cleaner in not too long if you're in the business. And meanwhile, follow us both on Instagram for our latest news, Mariam's at justmariamkhan, and I'm at erika.j.schmidt. Very important. Feel free to send me your listener questions on Instagram or at my website. And if you're looking to plug your product and sponsor This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life, you can also reach me at any of these places. And that's a wrap. Thank you, as always, to my darling big sister, Tess Levitt, who helped me to refine the inspiration for this podcast. Thank you to Sherwin Tijia, my creative advisor and most cherished friend. And thank you to my dearly departed aunt, Eileen Gunn, whose surprise and generous gift helped me to fund my podcast equipment. Okay, and thank you to you, dear listeners. Really, it means everything that you made it all the way to the end, and it warms my heart to think that you will be tearing apart the theme song in approximately three seconds. Okay, you ready? Time to rock out. Let's go. This is your strange and beautiful life. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a beautiful, exquisite, or at least reasonable day. Love you. Talk soon. Love you. Bye.